0: Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBRI podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBRI, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Senior Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk <laughs> Welcome again, everyone, to another episode of of FX Talk and you join us during a period of relative calm before the potential storm in FX markets. The major currencies have traded relatively range bound in the past week or so as markets temper their bets that the Federal Reserve could raise interest rates again at the June FOMC meeting next week. In the G10, most currencies have consolidated in their recent ranges having sold off rather sharply in some cases against the US dollar in the past month. Among the better performers in the past week or so have been the higher risk ones, including the Australian dollar, which rallied sharply after a surprise interest rate hike from the Reserve Bank of Australia. While among emerging markets, Latin American currencies have continued to sit at the top of the FX performance tracker, led by the likes of the Colombian peso and Brazilian real, which are up more than 2% against the US dollar in the past week. Attention does, however, remain firmly on events next week, with both the Federal Reserve and European Central Bank set to meet on the 14th and 15th of June, respectively. There had been speculation that the Fed could raise interest rates again this month, though the latest non-farm payrolls report has somewhat tempered these bets. The report was the definition of a mixed bag, uh, another 339,000 net jobs added to the US economy in May, Well, above the 190k consensus. Believe it or not, that's the 14th straight month that the preliminary payrolls number has beat estimates. But earnings growth eased to 4.3% from 4.4%, while the jobless rate also jumped unexpectedly to 3.7% from 3.4%. As things stand, investors are not convinced that the Fed or this will be enough for the Fed uh, to raise rates this month. The Futures now only pricing in a one in four chance of a 25 basis point hike this month, down from around 60 percent at one stage. Uh, but what do you guys make of the, the May non fine payrolls report? And do you expect this to have any impact on that on the Fed? And what do you expect from the Fed in general next week? <sighs>
1: Uh, I think at the margin, this was a, a good report for the Fed. I think it reinforces the possibility that the Fed will engineer soft landing in the U.S. economy, whereby they can bring down the, uh, the inflation rate uh, over time without causing a, a, a recession. Uh, you have a combination of strong job creation with uh, what, hints of moderating wage increases which is the, the federal reserves big concern now, whether you get a self-enforcing spiral between wages and, and inflation, especially core inflation. So the report contained hand, positive hints on both directions, uh, a vibrant job market that is still uh, at or near full employment in spite of that rebounding in, in unemployment rate on the one hand versus uh, moderating wage demands on the other. I still think that everything depends on the inflation data. Uh, that we're going to get right before the Fed Reserve, Federal Reserve meets next week. Uh, if uh, the inflation comes in as expected, if there are no, no negative surprises in inflation, uh, I think the Fed will use it as an excuse to pause. Um, but I still think that the next move in the Federal Reserve, even if they do pass in June, will is more, like, more likely to be up or down. And you're seeing that on interest rate expectations where – Essentially, any, any possibility of a cut is increasingly being pushed into 2024.
2: I agree that it, the latest labor market report was um, quite good for the Fed. Uh, I think that the labor market is um, continues to point to the strength of the labor market, but at the same time, we are not seeing uh, signs that the wage pressures are increasing. So this is uh, an optimal situation, I would say, uh, for the decision makers. And uh, in this context, uh, I think that there is no immediate need to uh, raise interest rates at the nearest meeting. The markets have uh, corrected their pricing uh, after uh, recent data from the US. We've also had some disappointing uh, business activity data of late when it comes to the services sector. Mm, this was quite poor. So it has only added to this uh, correction in the market expectations and adds to my expectations that the Fed will be in no rush to raise interest rates. Uh, I'm not even sure that if we got a uh, strong uh, inflation report, this would tip the balance. Uh, I think probably the attention right now is not on the nearest meeting, but the meeting after that. Uh, And this is the one that uh, could result in uh, some additional uh, policy tightening. At least this is what the market currently uh, is expecting. However, I'm not sure that there is a need for that. I think that we would really need to see. a a strong upward surprises in activity data, labor market data, and on top of that inflation data uh, before the uh, meeting in, I think it's in July, Uh, and uh, only then we would see uh, an increase in interest rates. I I think that the uh, recent swung in expectations uh, of the market were uh, it was I think almost fully pricing in the rate increase in uh, June, uh, it was excessive. And I think it's right now uh, we have learned that it was in fact the case. And uh, I'm in my view, I think the Fed is probably has ended the uh, rate increases.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, as you both alluded to, I, I think, um, yeah, that inflation report next Tuesday, just one day before the Fed's rate announcement, is going to be absolutely key Um I think as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm not personally overly convinced that the Fed even has one more rate hike left, whether that be in June or July. Um, I certainly think we need to see a surprise to the upside in next week's inflation report to to justify a June rate hike. Um, I, I don't think that the May payrolls report was enough on its own to convince me that a hike is on the way next week, particularly... Uh, the unexpected jump in the unemployment rate, which was um, quite a shock to markets. Um, and we are seeing evidence uh, of a downtrend in both core and headline US inflation. And I think if we continue to see evidence of that in the next one or two inflation reports, in- including on-, on Tuesday, then I think the Fed may well be right to, to pause the hiking cycle. Um, so as I said, I-, I don't expect a hike next week, perhaps not even one in July either. Although, of course... I can't stress how important upcoming inflation reports are for that call. <laughs> uh, great, we're going to move on now and uh, and talk about a very hectic week uh, in store in markets next week. Um, for starters, we have a, a host of major economic data releases, including UK Labour Report and US inflation data on Tuesday. The Federal Reserve's rate announcement, which we've mentioned, will be on Wednesday. Well, the Bank of Japan's latest policy decision will be on Friday. In Europe, focus will very much be on Thursday's European Central Bank meeting. As mentioned in the last podcast episode, economic news out the common block has been rather underwhelming of late and the, the economy looks set to post no more than mild expansion this year. The latest Euro, Eurozone inflation report also suggested that price pressures are easing. The headlight rate of inflation fell to just 6.1% in May, which is the lowest level since February 2022. While importantly, the core rate of inflation, which strips out volatile components such as food and energy, also declined to 5.3% from 5.6%. This is seen as, as quite a significant development and a step in the right direction for the ECB, particularly given how stubbornly high and sticky This core inflation metric has proved in recent months. As a side note, if you haven't already had a chance to catch our FX 101 episode, Inflation Explained, uh, that is now available on the podcast, so be sure to go back uh, and have a listen to that. Uh, But back to today's episode, uh, and what we really want to know is how this inflation miss could impact upcoming ECB policy decisions. The latest rate announcement will take place, as I mentioned. On Thursday, the 15th of June, just after midday. Another rate hike looks like a done deal, but what can we expect from the tone of communications and how could that impact the euro? What, what do you guys both think?
1: Uh, it's clearly uh, good news for the ECB. I mean, it's the first time we've had that I remember in this cycle a significant downward surprise in core inflation. Um, as such, it may indicate that we're not seeing the kind of uh, second round effects from the increases in wages being uh, translated into further increases in prices that uh, a lot of the ECB officials were fearing. Uh, I'm still remain unconvinced. I think that uh, the the current level of rates, three to three and a quarter, even if we get, as everybody expects, another 25 basis point hike at the next meeting, uh, the market's pricing in not even 3.75% for the terminal ECB rate. I think that is too low. I don't think that you can bring down uh, core inflation from the 5.3% that it currently is, which, by the way, if measured in the way that it's measured in the U.S., it would probably be around 6%. I don't think you can bring that inflation down with rates barely uh, above 3.5%. So I still think that uh, markets are over, underestimating the, uh, the potential for ECB hikes in the remainder of the year. But clearly, this data point, uh, this, this inflation report uh, is, is, is something that points against uh, my view. I think that uh, Roman has a much, much more moderate view of what rates are going to be. I mean, much more in line with the markets. So I'm sure he was happy to see that uh, that inflation report uh, last week. So, tell us, Roman, what do you think?
2: Yeah, it certainly was a good uh, report for the ECB as well as for me. Um, I think that it's uh, right now. Um, uh, it, there is no doubt that the ECB will continue raising rates in the near term and uh, the rate hike and, at the nearest meeting uh, will uh, I think 100% uh, happen. Uh, however, uh, they have stepped down uh, with the pace of tightening. They have moved from 50 basis points to 25 basis points. I don't think there is going back to a higher pace, even if we were to see a uh, inflation surprises or very strong economic data in the eurozone. So I think the attention right now is on only at how many hikes uh, the ECB has left, um, how many we'll uh, receive at the upcoming meetings, when will be the end, and uh, the nearest meetings will be viewed uh, in the context of that. So the focus will be uh, on signaling only and on uh, what President Lagarde will say Uh, what the new uh, inflation projections uh, will signal. Uh, And also, uh, and this will be uh, determining the reaction uh, of the euro. Uh, I think that the euro has a tendency to negatively react to the ECB and the President Lagarde, uh, regardless of uh, what uh, they signal. So I think probably there is uh, some risk to the downside for, for the currency. Um, however when it comes to the market pricing and, and future moves uh, right now uh, the market is pricing in about two interest rate increases in the coming months uh, and i think that it's probably more likely that we would, we would get a three increases something between two or three uh, i think is, is uh, reasonable but uh, I, I still uh, think that uh, it uh, will be pay off to be a bit more cautious uh, and to go with three. However, when it comes to uh, thinking about the possibility of more than that, uh, I, would, I wouldn't think that there is a, really a need to. Uh, we have seen some weakness in the economic data of late. We have seen uh, some significant weakness, I would say, in the industrial sector. Uh, we are seeing a lot of positive signals uh, on the inflation front, both when it comes to the uh, headline, underlying inflation, but also producing prices or even other reports Uh, today we had the news on the inflation expectations uh, from the ECB survey and all of those signals uh, are indicating that the inflation fight uh, is uh, at a a late stage and this is also in line with what the ECB members particularly uh, vice president de Guindos but also president Lagarde suggested so I think that uh, we should see uh, upcoming moves Probably uh, not. uh, Probably one would not be enough. uh, Two, perhaps even not enough. But more than three, uh, I don't think are uh, are should be expected. Uh, So I think that I'm still uh, a bit more dovish than Enrique, but I also think that uh, we are uh, getting relatively close when it comes to our expectations.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, I think that uh, the soft data you you've mentioned, Roman. There, I think that does add. Uh, an element of uncertainty. I mean, I'm mean, i slightly less convinced on my ECB view than I perhaps was maybe a month or so ago. Uh, a couple of reasons, again, as you mentioned, I mean, activity data uh, showing a little bit of a mild deterioration. Uh, I think that'll be a, of slight concern for policymakers. Uh, and secondly, we are finally beginning to see uh, an easing in inflationary pressures, particularly the core cool rate. That said, I I still expect the ECB to hike rates by 25 basis points next week. I think that's pretty much a done deal. But Lagarde is almost certain, I would say, to to once again be non-committal. I expect very much a data-dependent approach. I would be very surprised if we saw any guidance at all on interest rates. So again, as with the Fed, upcoming inflation reports will be very important. If, say, the, 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 the April data was a one-off, and we we continue to see heightened inflationary pressures, then I could see at least three more hikes this year. Uh, Having said that, if we see more of a trend whereby um, inflation, particularly that core index, um, begins to sort of, or continues to ease in the next few months, then maybe there is a possibility uh, of an end to tightening in the summer, even though I I don't think that's our base case scenario. (laughs) Great, we're going to finish now with our Spotlight Currency of the Week. Uh, And this week, we're going to talk about a currency that has been heavily in the news of late, uh, and that is the Turkish lira. Uh, The lira has has long been one of the more interesting currencies in the world, shall we say, in that it's been one of the least favours among investors for some time. Uh, In the past year, the lira has fallen by around 13% on the US dollar. And in the past three years, has lost almost 70% of its value. Uh, Now, a host of factors uh, have been at play for this depreciation. Firstly, Turkey's large current account deficit, sky-high inflation, which touched around 85% late last year, high levels of of FX-denominated debt, and among other things, uh, a very much unorthodox monetary policy stance, notably President Erdogan's preference for lower interest rates. The currency sold off again following the election victory for Erdogan in May. And against the US dollar, the Lira is now trading around the 21.5 level. To put that into context, just before the COVID-19 pandemic, the US dollar TRY exchange rate was trading around the six level. Uh, Now, the Lira has long been one of the most challenging currencies to forecast of all of those that we cover. So this may or or may not be a, a, a slightly difficult one. But uh, but what do you guys both think of the Turkish lira? And does this sell-off present a, a buy opportunity or would you either sell or hold the currency and why?
1: Oh, uh, to me, it's, it's a clear sell. I think that uh, we have a massive gap between uh, the macroeconomic and monetary policies followed by Erdogan and the, and the needs of the country. Uh, we have... Uh, a rate, a great policy that is not just insufficiently high, but also model. I mean, all these various uh, protection schemes for people who keep who keep their money in Turkish lira by linking them to to FX rates. De facto means that uh, everybody gets a different interest rate, and it's not clear who who gets what. In addition to that, the uh, the burst of spending brought on by the uh, uh, Erdogan electoral campaign has essentially uh, left the 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 FX reserves completely de- uh, depleted, the country depends massively on on being able to roll over its debt in euros and dollars. I mean, it's hard to to even begin with. Every, every everywhere you point, uh, the uh, indicators are negative. Now there is a little bit of a glimmer of hoping that the recent appointments seem to indicate that Erdogan is taking a turn towards same monetary and fiscal policies but we've seen it in the past and as soon as uh, the uh, central bank or the minister of Finance deviates from Erdogan's uh, crazy policies they get sacked so um, I think that we need to, I need to see a lot more to convince myself that Erdogan is, is is executing a u-turn and even if he does execute a u-turn right now it may be too late so for me it's, it's clearly a sell.
2: For me, it's also a sell. Uh, I find it difficult to believe that uh, after all the turnarounds that have failed in the past, uh, this one will actually produce positive results. Uh, although uh, looking at some of the indicators of uh, in the markets, uh, like for instance, credit default swaps, it seems that uh, investors are at least to some extent buying into this new cabinet appointments that they will indeed be able to uh, improve the situation to an extent. Uh, but what will this extent be whether it will not on, not be short-lived Uh, remains to be seen and I'm not uh, I I, I don't really trust at this point that uh, we are going to see a a significant turnaround that could uh, really change the fate uh, of the lira Uh, I think that it's particularly difficult to say to put the number on the lira uh, and uh, looking at the forecasts and comparing the forecasts in the markets and they're all over the place Uh, but I think that the lira still has uh, some room to depreciate Uh, in the medium uh, and longer term. Uh, Although I'm hopeful uh, that the uh, team that has been um, brought by this election, the economic team, will be able to um, perhaps uh, allay some of the pressure uh, from the currency and um, bring about uh, some uh, positive reforms.
0: Yes, I think we're we're all on the same page here. For me, again, it's a It's a clear sell Um, for for the reasons that you've both mentioned. I mean, aside from the structural issues, the the policy stance from the central bank is is obviously uh, a key concern for investors. I agree that the the appointment of the new finance minister provides a a little bit of a crumb of comfort. Uh, But again, as you both said, uh, a complete U-turn from Erdogan on his interest rate policy appears highly, highly unlikely. Um, And even in the event of aggressive rate hikes, I, I don't expect anything more than a temporary rebound in the lira so uh, again from me the lira would be a, a clear sell and that's it from us if you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the fx market visit ebreed's website or follow us on social media and don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time thank you all very much for listening